0: back to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, queen of burnout, throwing in a little sass there, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. I got to practice what I preach. I'm a recovering workaholic and rest is my detox. (laughs) So my team is pushing me to try to do more rest. I have really been invigorated since I got my new office and my podcasting equipment set up back full time. It's been so fun to be podcasting again and doing live episodes. But they're reminding me too that I'm overworking. So we are problem solving this. And in order to do that, we are doing a reboot showcase. All my work that I've done in the past, I might as well reuse it, right? Recycle, reduce, reuse. And so what we're going to do in this Reboot Showcase is take old podcast episodes that I've actually been on for other people and play them here on Dr. Me First. It makes me smile a little bit as I go back and listen to years ago when I was doing some of these podcasts, and I'm like, wow, I was really smart. I knew a whole lot of things, but I also see how I've changed and how things are different. (laughs) In the world of Aaron Wiseman, we call it, is it long-haired Aaron or short-haired Aaron? (laughs) Because you can definitely see a big change when the hair got lopped off during the pandemic. So listen to the episodes and then see if you can tell when I did that episode on the timeline of everything Aaron Wiseman. Long-haired Aaron, short-haired Aaron. Give me an email. I'd love to hear about it. I'm going to take my own medicine, I'm going to rest a little bit, and I'm still going to pop up as episodes for you to listen to. So enjoy this reboot today, and as always, friend, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse absolutely matters, and the badass in me honors the freaking badass in you. Enjoy!
2: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am so excited to have on our next guest. She is a physician. She has been through burnout and was suffering and really turned the tables and struggled for a little bit as she was trying to figure out herself and who she wanted to be when she grew up. And in that process of learning about coaching and getting back to medicine, uh, I am excited to have her talk about her journey. She is a podcast host, just like myself. She's a DO. She started out in family medicine and addiction uh, medicine, and now today, she is uh, the founder of Burnout to Badass and the Physician Coaching Alliance, and the host of Doctor Me First. Welcome, Doctor Aaron Weissman. Thank
0: you so much. You can't tell from that introduction that I am a doer. <laughs> so burnout is in my blood. Not at
2: all, right? We were even just just chatting beforehand. You're you trying to simplify your life, and uh, I was talking about hey, I'm trying to press the next couple of years, but. We'd love, Erin, just to know more about you. Where did you grow up? Tell us about life, little Erin, when she came into this world and what you're all about.
0: Yeah. So I grew up in southern Indiana. Knew pretty early on that I wanted to be big time. Like... I was always told, you're too sassy, quiet down. And it just didn't ever feel right. And we grew up in a very conservative church. And I thought, you know, I was going to be a missionary and I was going to do all these things. But unfortunately, women were kind of second hand. You know, it was one of those that I knew I could stand up and lead people and do things, but that was not going to be a possibility. So instead, I thought, well, I'm going to do the next best thing and be a doctor. We grew up farming. So, all the time, my first anatomy lessons were on our animals that we had or whenever my dad went hunting, you know, getting to dissect while also process uh, the animal as well. And what really came into play when I was like, wow, I think I can do this as my younger brother wasn't feeling well. So my dad had bought these books of encyclopedias and there was four in there that were specifically medical. And I remember going and getting my hokey little encyclopedia and like pushing around on him on his belly and like, like just like doing my kid physical exam. And I went and told my dad, I was like, Kurt has appendicitis. Like that's, that is what I am picking up here from my book. He was like, no, no, no. He just got the stomach flu. He's okay. He is okay. Well, later that night, like in the middle of the night, they ended up in the emergency room and guess who was right? the big sister. <laughs> Unfortunately, it had birth, so he had to go through some more complications and stuff. But it really gave me the realization of, oh my god, like I know shit. I could do this type of thing. Also, you know, being a pusher, like I said, always a doer, it was one of those things that early on I realized like the addy girls, the external validation felt really really good and I was good at school. And that felt really great as well. That did not become a pathological trait until much later on, because those things really are um, helpful and great coping mechanisms when you're younger and, you know, push to greatness on that. But like I said, and we can get into that conversation later on, is is when that drive then becomes perfectionism, then becomes um, rigid, when that becomes all the shoulds and should nots and the musts and the must nots. And so those were my early humble beginnings in the um, countryside of Southern Indiana.
2: When I think about, you know, the the country and farming, and I just think work ethic, you know, you're Mm -hmm. getting up early, you're doing chores, you're taught to live lean, you know, a lot of those kind of life lessons growing up? Was it something where your family was kind of tight on money, you know, kind of growing up and making it from day to day? Because I think of farms being like they like your land rich, but cash poor, you know, it's like a typical thing.
0: My dad, interestingly, is a computer engineer, computer programmer that works in town, quote unquote. And so the farming was something that he just brought from his background as well. And so again, being a child of a workaholic, I see where he really did have two careers. He had what he thought he could make money at, which was computers. And then the career that he really loved, which was gardening and raising poultry and um, hunting, fishing, You know, being in the earth on that sort of thing. And so, yeah, we did live lean. I think about it now and I'm like, were we really poor? I'm not really sure. We lived like we were really poor. (laughs) And I think that definitely had some influence on the money lessons that I learned as well. Like we bought things on cash, we minimized debt. If you didn't have it, you lived without it. And so I know that definitely came up at in my early years of marriage, married to somebody who is a different type of farmer, who they do use debt to in their farm operations and and that sort of thing. And so I definitely have had a lot of money stories and a lot of money drama that I have had to sort through. I remember, you know, getting ready to sign the promissory notices for medical school. And I was like, Oh, my God, my dad would flip his shit right now if he knew how much money I was borrowing. But there was no other way. At that point, I had put myself through college. And it just there just was not the money laying around on the street corner to pick up and say here medical school, here's $46,000 for my first year.
2: Well, and I think part of that too, that you grow up with with the mentality, which is a a good mentality in many ways of, hey, living within your means, using cash for stuff, you start to get a little bit like guilt. Oh, absolutely. That I shouldn't be doing this, you know, like I can't, I'm not supposed to go on that vacation. I'm not supposed to get that bigger house or whatever. curious to know, how, how did that play in for you, you know, as you're growing up and then starting your own family?
0: Again, like, I'm very quick to adopt all or nothings in my early life, the black and white thinking. And so it really, really bothered me having student debt to the point of I was very fixated on it. And like, as soon as I graduate six months out, we're going to start repaying it. You know, there was no deferment at that point. That was just what we were going to do. And so, yeah, there was no vacation. So on top of suffering through residency, oh, by the way, we had two babies during residency we were paying down on my loans as well. And, you know, we at that point were following like Dave Ramsey and that sort of thing. And eventually I had to break up with Dave Ramsey because that delayed gratification, it would be different if I had like $15,000 in debt. But at that point, I was in the multiple six figures and just the toll that it was taking. And then, like I said, that mental anguish as well, where it was just like, we have got to do something on top of being a first year resident, a new mother, I was couponing, you know, trying to be like, okay, how can we scrimp and save and and all those things? Again, like thinking, oh my God, I'm actually making a lot of money <laughs> as a resident. But still, I, I can see just the amount of pressure that I put on myself at that point. And I wish I had had more compassion. And I think it would have led to a lot less um, fights with my partner as well. He was pretty understanding, but he's definitely more the spender and I'm definitely more the saver. And. And so it just led to a lot of additional stress. And I think, too, for me, I had the checklist of life, like medical school check, residency check, kids check, house check, like doing all the things, but really did not perceive the depth for which those things would change me. So motherhood fundamentally changed me. Becoming a doctor fundamentally changed me. And not allowing myself to sit in those things and see where those changes were really led to me stuffing a lot of emotions, a lot of situations, um, a lot of that self-blame, self-guilt, self-shame into a closet when eventually that closet was so stuffed full that in about 2014, I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is my life. I don't, I don't even know what mm. it is
2: at this point." And your husband and his journey—is he a physician as well, or what's what's his deal?
0: He is not a physician, so he is actually a teacher by training. Because his family always said you can't make any money farming, so his dad works off the farm, and then in their. <laughs> after work time. Then they do our Wiseman Farms, which is about a thousand thousand acre grain farm. And so he was a teacher, a basketball coach, and a farmer as well. After the second kid, it was like, we got to have like a stable parent at this point. And so he gave up basketball, was just teaching and farming, and then eventually just went straight to farming.
2: So not teaching anymore. And he was kind of helping out with the kids while you're out in practice and Doing your thing, and you know,
0: yeah. Because again, I felt like I can't take off. I can't stay home with my children. Like I must be at the office. And part of that was some underlying stories. Like people will perceive you as a bad doctor, as not committed. As I mean, I even had at some point one of an older physician told me, I don't know why we still let women into medical school because all they do is take up a seat and then have babies and go part time. And so I was like, in my brain, like, fuck you, I will show you otherwise, (laughs) killing myself because of an offhanded, totally inappropriate comment by a old white male surgeon.
2: And I have to imagine your husband too, in some senses, I mean, he might be like wanting to, you know, teach again, or whatever during this, this time period, and maybe money's a little tight. Um, Was that was he doing that by the time you were in practice? fully, like, out of residency?
0: He transitioned, let's see, our... So about 2014 was when he gave up coaching. He was still teaching at the time, and... Actually, the teaching situation, education in Indiana got pretty bad. You know how as physicians, we complain about patient satisfaction scores and how that affects us. Well, in Indiana, they were starting to use student scores and then starting to grade teachers based on test scores. Again, which I think is totally inappropriate. You can teach a student, but again, like you can't you can't control their performance. And so he had went and got his master's in administration, had thought about moving in that direction, principal, you know, vice principal, something like that. But it really became clear that he was like, no, I'd really just love to farm and help take care of our family, which was fine. But then that put a little extra pressure on me, not a little, a lot of extra pressure on me as the sole breadwinner, when I myself was just burnt to the core with burnout, just so crispy at that point. And and how I describe how I felt in that is that I was numb, except for the very big emotions, which was like anger, frustration. And I looked around and from the outside, we were killing it at life. We had bought the house. I was in a practice. I was making the big girl salary. We had two kids at the time. But from the inside, I just felt so lonely, like at the bottom of this huge chasm, looking up, and I couldn't really even see the light. It was a really dark place for me. Craig at the time listened. Um, He tried to give encouragement, but he just didn't understand. I was the only female physician in my county, by far the youngest physician in my county, too. And I did what I tell all my patients not to do, which is got on Google and tried to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. Am I broken? Am I depressed? Like, I remember giving myself the PHQ-9 score to be like, what is this right now? And I just didn't have a words for it at the time until... I started reading articles about other physicians and and how they were feeling and some of them were transitioning into pharma or maybe they got a patent or you know they were moving Colorado to the place of their dreams and for me that just wasn't realistic any of those. I'm in a population of about 12,000 people in our area. There's probably there's definitely more cornfields than people here. You know, I wasn't going to leave my two young kids. They both were they were under two at that point. I wasn't interested in pharma. I wasn't interested in patents. I wasn't interested in anything. I'll be perfectly honest. But I felt such a duty, such a amount of like, I'm going to show them that I stuck with it. And I was miserable to the point of, man, the only way out of this is probably death. And I don't, I don't even know if, if, I don't even I didn't even tell anybody because I was so scared about what is this gonna mean? Are they gonna like throw me in the crazy doctor hospital and you know, it's gonna be my license or that sort of thing. And it wasn't until I found another family medicine physician. She was out in California. She was a bit older than me, but she was doing this thing called coaching. Having been an athlete, I was like, you know what, I'll try everything once. Let's see what's going on. Got on the phone call with her and it was the first time that I really felt like I'd been seen and heard and understood probably in decades. And I said, whatever you're selling, that's what I want to do. And she really didn't do much around the career and figuring that out for me, but it was more about like getting back in touch with who I was. Because through residency, and I don't know if other people felt like this, but I felt like I had to be a chameleon. So I had to, like, on certain rotations, like, fit into that. Huge people-pleasing skills, because that's what I had used before to help myself get ahead, to be the good resident, to be the good student, to to do all of those things. Superwoman was what my friends called me at that time. And then I just felt like an, an imposter in my own life. I didn't know how to be or or what to do I was doing all the things that I should do that I was supposed to do what a good insert whatever noun you want to mom doctor community leader wife friend and yet there was just nothing for me absolutely nothing and so there were so many things that I had to approach to really break down that rigidity. And one of the most key important lessons for me was learning self-compassion. No one had ever taught me that. It was always like, push harder, run faster, stay up later, arrive earlier. And self-compassion was really hard to start to integrate, like to let myself off easy. Like, no, I can't do that, that's slacking. But instead changing that mentality to be like, no, it's okay to be nice to yourself.
2: Mm. Now in in this time, Aaron, did you mentioned you had uh, broke up with Dave Ramsey and whatnot? Were you still in a bunch of student debt? Had you gotten that knocked out by that time? What what was going on with that?
0: No. So what we did at that point, knowing that like something's something's happening, something's going to change. I mean, we were killing it. We were sending thousands of dollars in to pay off the student loans because that was so vitally it felt so essential to do that for myself like okay i am actively trying to get ahead was my husband convincing me like we can do minimal payments it that is like acceptable they put it on the stub you can do this so was going back to minimal payments it was starting to save up like a war chest of money knowing like i don't know what's going to happen but like we're not going to allow this job to ruin your mental health. We're not going to allow. I thought at that point I was leaving medicine. I had filled out applications like at the local bank. I went for an interview in a marketing area in one of the local factories. Toyota is like forty-five minutes away. I was like, I can work on the line. I'm young. I can do this. Um, and in those interviews, people would be like, "You're a doctor." <laughs> And I was like, and I don't want to be. And that was one of the hardest things because my whole identity was based on the white coat and I didn't know who I was under the white coat. And that was really, really scary. But financially, yeah, we started pulling things back. I actually stopped investing in my employer funded 401k. Really, we just started like socking back money just to give us some breathing room to say like, because at that point, I was just quitting. And my husband said, give it six months, Aaron. If you can give it six months, we can figure this out. So that's what we were doing, was really storing it up.
2: Which, by the way, I think is incredibly smart. You know, some people, I mean, you're feeling burned out. You're having a hard time making it through through the day. And you just want to be done, right? Yeah. And-
0: or do the opposite. Like, start spending money just to feel something, to feel somewhat better. So we even contemplated selling our house. We didn't have a huge extravagant home. We were, you know, there's not that much around here. But we even considered, you know, downsizing. That that would help. Our cars were already paid for with cash. So we thought, well, we could go down to be a one-car family. We did not end up doing that. But it was really about, like, battening the hatches so that again, because I had a lot of money stories of like, no, I have to do this. I have no other options. And with coaching, with my husband helping, with us like socking some money away, it felt like it gave me options. And that's really what you need in that point is to know like, you're not stuck. This is not where you're gonna be forever. Like you will figure this out. You have done hard things before.
2: And now a commercial break. Well, my friends, you have probably heard, I am now a completely independent financial advisor. And and as the time that uh, I, I am recording this, the stock market is down. Now there's a lot of question in terms of where is the market going? Where should I be investing my money? There's no better time than now to get a review of your portfolio and make sure that you are set up properly. As a matter of fact, tax season is around the corner too. Maybe you're looking for some tax tax strategies and hints and you want someone to talk it over with besides your CPA. Feel free to give my assistant Kyla a call at 612-284-2409 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Again, call 612-284-209 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And now back to the show. So
0: my husband was saying, we're going to make it. I was still in terrified mode because this was going against everything I had planned for. Like I had list A through Z and then AA through ZZ. And this just felt ugh, like, like what the hell have I done? Did I make the worst terrible mistake by going to medical school and like going down this path? I had so much regret I had so much, like, just big feelings. And having been a person who had always stuffed their feelings away, I didn't know what to do with them. And I sure as shit was not going to go to therapy. Let me tell you that I was not going to do that. Because I was like, no, I'm stronger than this. I can figure this out. And so what I ended up doing was like, okay, I'm going to stay at this job because I told them I would be there three years. And I'm going to cut back. I'm going to go to part-time because I have to have it. Because I had done all the things like rearranging my schedule, changing the amount of time on my patient slots, like working with my nurse to be efficient, working with the Epic people to be more efficient on note-taking. And that's just rearranging chairs on a sinking ship. If you're doing that, I hope it works for you. It did not work for me in the long run. Maybe some short-term games, but ultimately it it wasn't the fix. And so I went to a 0.6 FTE, which means I worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And So much pushback from my colleagues and my patients, but I was like, I have to do that. And what I realized is like those Monday, Wednesday, Fridays was like jumping off the high dive and like sinking all the way down to the bottom of the pool, like a deep pool where you could feel the pressure, like coming in on your chest. And then my Tuesday, Thursdays were like floating on the top of the surface, absorbing all that sun in a floaty, like where I could just breathe. And that's where I started my recovery. Now, I had a lot of guilt about taking my kids to the daycare on Tuesdays and Thursdays that I had to work through. I had a lot of guilt around, well, I should be doing things like clean the house, like work on the landscape, like I shouldn't be sleeping. Um, so there was a lot to, and what I tell people, you know, when work is your drug, you know, that has been your like go getter, your coping mechanism, then rest is your recovery and recovery is hard. It's Very hard to learn how to be bored again, to learn how to truly rest and to figuring out what that rest is. Maybe it is a nap. Maybe it's just vegging out and like staring at the ceiling for a while. Maybe it's doing something restorative. And that's when I got back into hiking again. That was definitely a part of our narrative as a family. We section hiked the whole Appalachian Trail. And so getting back into it, like just getting back out into the woods. I didn't know the studies at the time, but there's a lot of information right now that shows the healing power of like getting back into nature, whatever your nature looks like around you. There's not one type of environment that's healing. But going for walks.
2: Well, I, I would point I would point out, you know, just in terms of your journey and what you did, people can feel so locked in like you have no options and i would point out you look at at yourself as an example you have options you know if you can save up enough money to buy yourself option options of different things to do you can work part time you could if you have a very hostile environment you could do locums and just go 1099 right, and go to different places, which might be harder on the family, but then you'll be more present, you know, once you're there. You can explore other businesses, whether uh, I have clients that are just reviewing charts at home for insurance companies, and they did that full time, now they're doing part time, and they're going to do some locums on the side, you know, so they're so, you don't have to have the traditional Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday thing you know if you're looking to get out of medicine maybe financially you have to do it part time but then that can help pay the bills while you explore your other side passion and stuff like that so i think you guys went about it well where It sounds like you weren't racking up credit card debt. You weren't financially getting in a deeper hole. You weren't doing retail therapy and buying, you know, coach handbags and whatever else to to help yourself get through. So sounds like financially, maybe you weren't making the progress you were wanting, but you were able to emotionally, you know, rejuvenate yourself during this time period.
0: Yeah. And what we did is now an exercise that I use with a lot of my coaching clients, which is like trimming the fat. If you are only meeting your basic needs, like how much do you actually need? Because my husband and I sat down and we were like, okay, we got to pay the lights. We got to pay the mortgage. We got to have money for groceries. We got to have money for gas. Yeah, it would be nice every so often to like, you know, if something gets ripped or shoes are falling apart, you know, so put a little bit of money aside for clothing. But the things that like must be paid, what did that look like? And when we did that, and we actually had a real number, when you you face the money, when you look at it, because so many times the shadow is so much bigger and scarier than the reality, then it was like, okay, we can do that. And that's what helped me push to that 0.6 FTE. And from there, I actually had the space to what you're talking about, explore those other options. Because when I was grinding full-time, There was no space. There was no extra mental energy. There was, there was nothing I could do. I was emotionally drained as well. And so, you know, when you start exploring, that feels big and scary and you need to hold that space for yourself or have someone hold it for you. And so then on those days, quote unquote days off, which, you know, there's never really a day off, but I was able to start doing this and having been coached. I was like, you know what? Where's all the like young physician mom coaches at? Because like we needed this shit back in medical school. And so that's what I started doing. I started getting, I got coaches training, set up a business later on in about 2017 is when I started a podcast because I really realized one of the things that was missing from my life is like. I miss the camaraderie of talking to other female physicians. And so Dr. Me First came out of a hundred percent like guilty pleasure. I just wanted to get on the phone, get on Zoom with, with other folks who I felt were interesting and were doing amazing things in the world and could give inspirational stories to feed my soul. Record that so then it could feed other people's souls as well. And what I realized from there and what I realize now, so much of my online business at that time was really the healing power that it was doing for me. It was giving me a new set of lenses to look through to be like, oh, no, no, no. You are not 100% reliant on this organization. You are smart. You are resilient. You will figure this out. And so I ended up quitting in 2017. I had done my three years with them. I did become a 1099 contractor with a local small ER. And what that taught me is like, Man, you're pretty good at these skills, you know, cause in primary care, we like do cradle to grave and like that just seems normal. And then walking into the little ER, yeah, I had to brush up on my like ACLS and some of my trauma stuff had changed a little bit from residency, but I was like, man, I can do this. I knew it wasn't going to be my forever gig, but it paid damn good too. So I got to work even less and I got to work more on the coaching business and more on the podcast and making more connections. And I started to come out of that isolation and that loneliness and to realize like, one, I'm not the only one. There's like thousands, tens of thousands of us out there at that time in 2017, pre pandemic, who were feeling that way. And I got to start being creative again. Again, that's when self-compassion came in and allowing myself to be bored came back. My kids were getting older. We'd had a third child at that point. So allowing for some more space. And then again, made another shift when I realized like, hey, I'm kind of getting a little crispy with this ER stuff, like 12-hour shifts don't feel good. I was one of the early adopters of teledoc. So I got on there and worked as a 1099. And then a local job came up that was super interesting. I was like, I think I'm going to do this, but it was a jail physician position. And what that showed me was like, I love that population. I had done so much work with opiate use, benzo use, stimulant use in residency. I championed our um, like Nash committee on kids who whose mother were using opiates during pregnancy and were going through needle-to-natal abstinence syndrome. And it reignited a part of me that was like this – this is what I want in medicine. Because I kind of just stepped away from family medicine. I didn't want to do diabetes. I didn't want to do hypertension. I didn't want to do PSA and breast exams anymore. And by allowing myself and giving myself the option of just trying, I was like, this is what it is. And so that started my journey into addiction medicine, which really sprung board where I was starting to get second year medical student love again with medicine and became a reality of like, Oh, I could go back right place, right time, right subject matter. And, and that was huge for me. Unfortunately, local, um, elections, different sheriff fired our, our company, correction, correctional medicine company, but it was still one of those things. I stayed on with the company. I kept doing education. I kept, Getting in touch and getting more in depth with ACM and some of the other addiction medicine specialties. When the opportunity came up in 2021 that I was approached by – well, 2020, actually. I was approached by a local non-for-profit that was looking to start an FQHT specifically around addiction medicine in rural a- in Indiana. And I was like, that – that is what everything up to my life has been leading up to. And it felt like a coming home finally. And the hard, I mean, the, the awfulness of burnout and being, I would say, very borderline suicidal to making those hard steps and changing and the midnight cries and the Googling and then doing the work of coaching and like taking the next best step and trying different career paths. I can honestly say I'm back in medicine. I am excited to get up and go to work every single day and I'm I'm finally in a place that I was like I found it. But I also know if it ever changes, I can find it the next time too.
2: No. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think what a journey. And and I think, you know, I often say the the fun thing for for younger people with dating is just figuring out who you are. You know, like, don't... And I tell my daughter this, my oldest daughter who's 17, a senior in high school, like, you're in high school. It's okay to date around if that's what you want to do. Ideally, do it in groups, you know, but get to know people. Don't get so locked in on one guy that you're not seeing what else is out there in the world. And I think the same thing applies here in this case. You know, I think so many physicians go on this trajectory where... I, I feel like I have to do this. I am loyal. I'm a loyal person. I am going to stick this out. Uh, they've invested into me and so I owe it to them to stick around here, whether you've bought into a practice or you're working for a hospital system. And reality is you don't. You're, you, you are a free agent that you can choose to sign with another team anytime you want to. It it might be hard. It might be painful um, in leaving relationships or patients or whatever. But look at you. It can be done.
0: Well, and I want to address that, too. Like, it's not your job's job to make you happy. And I think there's something when we go into medicine that, you know, the, it's very much put on as like duty and honor and privilege of becoming a doctor. But at the end of the day, I just want to remind everybody who's out there listening. Yes, it's a very special place to be in the doctor-patient relationship. It is a job as well. I, do I feel like I'm working my calling? I do. But what I had to realize is my calling is healing. And I can do that a thousand different ways. And being a doctor in Southern Indiana who takes care of folks with addiction is the one way that I'm currently doing it. And so um, I think that's important. The other thing I want to address that I've talked to with a lot of physicians and a lot of the clients that I'm working with right now is when it feels so hard about leaving, it's not just the connections and the relationships. There's trauma with our jobs. And not trauma as in like a uh, motor vehicle accident, you know, pelvic fractures. I'm talking about emotional, spiritual, maybe even some physical trauma of being up for 36 hours at a time. That we make trauma bonds with the people around us. We talk about medicine like it's band of brothers, the people that we went to residency with, the people who, who helped us get through the really tough times. And so it goes beyond just a friendship or a collegial relationship. And I really want people to start seeing it for what it is so that they recognize why this feels so fucking shitty when it's like, I can't do this anymore. Because then the people around you will get resentful. They'll get hateful, they'll get mean, because what you're doing is essentially pulling yourself up out of the slime and saying like, I love you, we went through a lot of stuff together, but I can't stay there. And they haven't made that decision yet for themselves. And a lot of times it is about healing and getting healthier so that you can take those steps away. And you just hope that the people behind you see your example and will help themselves as well. But there is a lot of victim mentality in medicine of like, this is how I've done it. So this is how you have to suffer and do it well. There is the like poor pitiful me. No one's no one's here. And I'm like, yeah, no one's coming to save you. You have got to decide and choose and do some really, really hard things. And it feels horrible. But part of it is no one is coming to save you because no one has been saving you because you've been traumatized for years, potentially decades by this career path. And so that sounds really harsh, but it's the absolute truth. And I just want people to start seeing it for what it is, because if you can name it, then you can now tame it. And understand, like, oh, this is why it feels so bad. It's it is the financial connection to a practice, it is the emotional connection to your patient, but it's so much more than that. That's lying in the background, playing in a very soft, manipulative way. That is also keeping you trapped and stuck where you're at.
2: No, good good stuff for everyone to think about and chew on. And as as we're looking forward, Aaron, you know, on a go forward basis, you know, it sounds like kind of your relationship with money has changed some in terms of how you view it and and whatnot. I'm curious to know now, like, when you think about the words financial freedom, like, what does that mean to you? Like, do you see yourself being someone that ever retires with your work ethic being what it is? Tell me about that.
0: You know, I truly believe if money made us 100% happy, doctors would need coaches. (laughs) You know, like, so... So I do get frustrated with folks who really are pushing like the um, financial freedom, like work as hard as you can, and store up as much money as you can and yada, yada, yada. Like, don't get me wrong. Money makes situations easier, but money doesn't mend the deep hurt places inside. And we use money to rationalize, to cope, and that sort of thing. We also are overachieving perfectionists. And sometimes our big goals bite us in the ass. Just like my big goal, I wanted to get my student loans paid off in 10 years after graduation from resident or medical school, not even residency. So I'm at like the 11-year point, and I'm down to $13,000. So I didn't get it in 10, and I had all this career change, but I'm going to be pretty close to it. And that's enough. And I think the other thing, too, is reminding yourself when it comes to money that enough is a decision. It's a choice. Yes, we can have financial advisors that say, like, we speculate that this will be enough. But... I went against everything that my financial advisor at the time back when I told you, like, I stopped my retirement investment. I talked to him about pulling out money and what that would look like. We talked about, um, like navigating some other things. If we needed to do loans, like, and he's still my financial investor today because he listened to me. He said, not ideal, but if this is what we need to do, this is what we need to do and was there for me. Really listened because there's really not any doing wrong when it comes to money. If you have methodically seek, you know, sage advice and thought through your specific money situation, because you know what? Dave Ramsey is fine for the mass majority of the people, but he wasn't written specifically for me. His plan was not the Aaron Wiseman, Craig Wiseman, we are in the pit of burnout plan. We needed something a little bit more individualized. We needed people to help rather than just what he talked about on his radio show. Because I really, truly believe when it comes to life and money, either you're progressing or you're learning. Yeah, you can make uh, mistakes with multiple zeros on the back of it. But at the end of the day, the question is not what did I do wrong, but it's like, what did I learn from this? So that going forward, it can make a difference. So again, you know, I talk to so many folks, it seems like money, family, and their their work colleagues are the three things that really like hold them back. And, you know, the... I don't, I won't have enough money if I quit. I won't, there won't be enough. And that's when I say, stop, stop, stop. You need to get to the facts because our brain wants to like create all these scenarios that, like I said, my biggest worry was my kids eating cat food. I mean, that was a thing that kept coming forward and I talk about it all the time, but that was my worry. And it was when we actually sat down and looked at the numbers, when I talked to my advisor and said, this is what's going on. I feel like dead inside and I can't keep doing this anymore. Yes, I know we've talked about the financial goals and the savings and the paying off. But I can't do this right now and, and just deciding what is enough. And so putting that pen to paper and figuring it out and not going off assumptions, because you know what happens when we assume is the really big thing. And then also looking at the reciprocating payoff, you know, of living with less, of moving away from that high salary job that's sucking out your soul. You know, how about what is it worth to you to eat, fam- eat dinner with your family and tuck your kids into bed every night? What is that, that? What is that monetary value for you? What about being able to take a nap on a Tuesday? Like today, like, what is that worth to you? Or to be able to turn your phone off or to be able to just be like, you know what? I'm not, I don't have to get clocked back into whatever EMR for 10 days. And I know things are going to be taken care of. So yes, money is a piece of paper that we assign value to it, but we also need to think about our time because that is a finite resource as well. I don't know about you, but When my kids were younger and we were really struggling, like I couldn't wait for them to grow up. And now that we're all in elementary school and we're progressing closer to junior high, I'm like, I kind of want it to slow down now. Like before I just wanted to push and get through and like I wanted to get out of the suck. But now that we've transitioned into such a better place, I, I'd give anything to have that time back again. And so it's really understanding like, what are your values? What do you value in the, your your life? What are your um, core values that you stand on? And like workaholism and hustling typically aren't part of those. So make space for those things that you truly value. Yes, we're all probably gonna have to work. I told you about my small beginnings. I paid for my own college. I was a farm kid. Like there was no extra money. There's no trust fund. But it's also realizing too that, you can't just make that money appear. You are going to have to work. There's always work and privilege involved with it. But there's also margin to be compassionate with yourself, to take the time to de-busy yourself even though it feels like you can't. Because again, enough is a choice.
2: I love it. No, that's really good thoughts, Aaron. I think what everyone listening to this, if you've made it this far, you know, just really be considering what do you want out of life? Do you want to, is your goal to just accumulate a bunch of of money with your work? Um, Do you love doing what you do? If you don't love doing what you do, what can you do to change that? You know, what does that look like? Uh, How can you Try something new if you are feeling burnt out in order to revitalize yourself. Can you give yourself some time off to revitalize yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a doctor shortage. You can always come back to what you're doing now. But if you stay where you're at, you may be missing out on an opportunity that you're like, wow, I got second year medical student love again.
2: That's awesome. Well, Aaron, we got to wrap up for today. Any final thoughts you want to leave with with us?
0: I just want to remind folks that you're not alone. Again, that isolation, that loneliness feeling is is rough. And so you're not alone. Reach out to people. There are so many good people who'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with you, be it Dave or me or, you know, floating head on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> and just know this is not your forever. Like, things can change. It's just taking that really scary but yet microscopic first step to say like not this and then figuring out the the what is it then.
2: I love it. Good stuff, Aaron. If people wanna check out your podcast, they wanna contact you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, so podcasts are like tattoos. So I have two right now. Dr. Me First, which is my tried and true one, like I said, that's been going on since 2017. We're at episodes 400, which is crazy to think about. So, yeah, there's a lot of material there if people just want to search by topic and and. Hear more of my story and more about the guests that I'm at. My second podcast is called Burnt Out to Badass. It's a place where we're having real authentic conversations about burnout and looking at all the different ways that people have recovered. Cause I think, again, it's not one singular focused path. Like you don't have to become a coach to get out of burnout. Absolutely not. That's how I did it, but there's so many other ways and other avenues to do this. And then if you want to get a hold of me, I hang out on Instagram at Aaron Wiseman, I just like it. That's the platform. That's the only platform that I hang out. Anything else where you see my name, that's my team. Some uh 20-somethings that take care of all my social media. They pass on the messages to me. Don't worry. But yeah, hit me up at Instagram. And of course, if you just want to email, it's hello at com.
1: Love
2: it. Love it. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. All right, my friends, that wraps up another episode of today for the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now, I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant, and you're looking financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.com. By searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we are not appropriately registered with a CRD The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities, or really anything else, involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mention insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.DavidDeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.
1: Hey there.
0: i got some really important stuff to share with you. Besides developing Dr. Me First over the last, I don't know, I think it's like seven or eight years now, and Burnt Out to Badass, which is a little bit newer. It's been going on for about three to four years. I've actually been developing another business kind of on the side, and a lot of you folks are surprised when you hear about it. It's called Physician Coaching Alliance, and it does a lot of amazing things. First of all, if you're a chief wellness officer or you want to see more wellness in your organization, hospital, medical group, residency program, etc., Physician Coaching Alliance is your answer we do consulting and coaching within organizations to bring better wellness into the healthcare space. So you need to go over to the website, physiciancoachingalliance.com, drop me an email with the organization, who I contact, who I talk to, and we can come in and help your institution. The other part of Physician Coaching Alliance is for those who are looking for a personal coach. Of course, I would love to be your coach, but I also know that I'm not everybody's Well, taste and spicy sauce, let's put it that way. So there we have a menu of over 70 coaches who specialize in so many different things, who come from different parts of medicine. Some people are in medicine, some people are out of medicine, some people are hybrid. It's just an amazing group of an eclectic Amount of skills and personalities, I'm sure you can find your next coach there. So, again, same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. And lastly, if you are a coach and you're tired of going in alone, maybe you're in a slump, maybe you just want to be around other physician coaches who are willing to give and are over the hustle culture and not about competing with each other, but knowing that how we heal healthcare is better together then also Physician Coaching Alliance is the place for you. PCA fulfills so many of these needs and more. It's all on the same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. You can hang out with us on LinkedIn and on Instagram by the exact same name, physiciancoachingalliance.com. Yep. I've been busy (laughs) running multiple companies, practicing medicine, taking care of alpacas. But you know what? It is my heart and joy to do this. And I hope that PCA can become a part of your story too.